Well, I feel as if I need to bring my family up here right now. Um, it's not quite on your schedule. I'm not sure exactly why, but that's okay. We're just going to spend a little bit of time reflecting upon all that we have heard. We have heard the, the Christmas story so far, which began with the angelic visit to, to Mary, telling her of what will take place in her, her birth. And uh, we've heard of the census which brought Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem and of the, the star and the kings coming from the east and the many prophecies that were being fulfilled at the birth of Jesus and how when it came time to give birth, there was no room in the inn and yet Jesus was born and placed in a manger and the angels appeared to the shepherds and, and then the glory of the angels um, shone all around but this evening, what I would like to do is sort of finish the story, if you will, because the baby in the manger doesn't save us from our sins. We need this Son of Man to grow up, the Son of God to mature and to live a perfect life for us and die on the cross for our sins. And He is the one that ultimately saves us for our sin. And in doing so, I want to focus on one verse of Scripture that for those of you who have Rock Valley Bible Church at your home, you know what verse I'm going to look at. So we've looked at it all December long. John 1.14, which says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glorious of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is the Christmas story, really, in a nutshell. It, 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 it pans back, if you will, not, not, not delving on the details of the birth, but really thinking about the whole thing that happened. It was, it was the Word, which John 1.1 says was God. God came into the flesh, dwelt among us. And, and then we saw His glory, glorious of the only Son from the Father. And, and we saw His character full of grace and truth. And that's Christmas, is that God came to save His people from their sins. He became incarnate as a man. And we sang about it tonight. Veiled in flesh... The Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And that's what John 1.14 is talking about. Jesus is our Emmanuel who has come down and dwelt with us. Veiled in flesh, sure he was, but he was the Godhead that we get to see. And our call is to hail the incarnate deity. And he came and dwelt among us in his flesh. And, and John, in his epistle, 1 John 1, 1, speaks about how we've seen more than just seeing him, how we've heard of him, and we've touched him with our hands. And that's really what Christmas is, 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 is God incarnate coming down to us when, when Mary held Jesus in her arms, and the shepherds saw Jesus in the manger, and John and the apostles experienced Jesus with all their senses, Thomas touching him even after he rose from the dead. So what Christmas is all about, God coming among us and dwelling among us. And that's why we gather this evening really to think about this miracle, the miracle of the incarnation, which one theologian, um, uh, Wayne Grudem, argues that this is the greatest of all miracles, what we think about celebrate tonight. This is what he says. He says, the incarnation is by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible. 
far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing even than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God could become man and join himself to a human nature forever so that infinite God became one person with finite man will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in all the universe. Because, right, that needed to happen first before he raised from the dead. Here was the creator entering into creation, which is amazing. And so it's such an astonishing miracle, we can't explain it. Like, the point of miracles is that you can't explain it. If you can explain it, it's not a miracle. I I heard someone on the radio this week um, talking about the star and explaining us a a nova or a comet. If you can explain it, it's not a miracle. The star was a miracle. The birth of Jesus is a miracle. We can't explain it. We can't understand it. But we're called to worship in wonder and awe. And we have at Rock Valley Bible Church been looking through the four key words of John 1.14. That he became flesh. Think about his humanity. That he was in glory coming down to us. That he was deity. And that he also walked in grace. It's in mercy and, and in truth, reality, and in fact. What I'd like to do tonight is pick up one more, one more word that, that's there that's actually repeated. There's one of those words that's repeated. It's the word Glory. And uh, the phrase I want to think about tonight is glory as of the only Son from the Father. Because we saw a few weeks ago at Rock Valley Bible Church the glory of Jesus demonstrating the signs, the miracles that he did, the, the, the changing the water and the wine, which John explicitly said this was the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifest his glory. So in the miracles he did, he showed his glory in, in some sense. Also when he healed the official son and healing the invalid and feeding the 5,000 and walking on water and healing the man born blind and raising Lazarus from the dead. These signs were all written by John clearly. He said at the end of his gospel, he said many other signs are written, were, were done in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But he said these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, the the miracles that that John recorded for us are just a taste of the glory of this baby that would come grow into a man, that would work and walk on on the earth. But those were only a taste. And he said, but they are sufficient for us to believe. But there's more to the the glory of Jesus. And I think it's caught in that phrase in John 1.14, glory as of the only Son from the Father. You think about a son... And, and the likeness that he has to his father. I, I know some of you, right, you, you saw the different families that stood up here, and there was a resemblance. If, if the Brandon family would come up here now, you would see the, the shortness of all of us. <laughs> In contrast to the resemblance of the Iverson family, where there is height among us. And uh, there might be other resemblances about the way people talk. The, the mannerisms in which they have. In fact, I remember when I was in college one time, my, my dad came and, and visited the college where, where I was, and he was walking on campus and was kind of looking for me and scuttlebutt around campus. Like, we didn't have, whatever, instant messenger would have been different, but it got back to me that, that there was someone who looks just like you, Steve. But really, it's the, only, the other way around, Right? That I look like him, but he looked, the, the way he walked, the way he, his height, his stature, the way he carried himself about his look. 
But that's what the glory as of the only son of Jesus is like. When, when Jesus was here on earth, he was reflecting the glory of his father. And in some ways he did that. It's interesting that all the, the signs reflect one glory, but there's another glory that, that couldn't quite be reflected because of the constraints of humanity. Listen to what Jesus prayed, the high priestly prayer in John 17. He prays to his father, lifting up his eyes to heaven. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished all the work that you gave me to do. And now, father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. In other words, Jesus is mentioning this glory that he had with the father before the world existed. And that's different than the glory that he says, I glorified you here upon the earth, but now glorify me again with this glory that we had before I was upon the earth. It's an allusion to this inner Trinitarian glory where you had the, the Father and the Son and the Spirit all together in perfect harmony, all perfectly glorified. And that's what Jesus is referring to, that in some sense, his signs reflected that. And in another sense, it's far different. It, it's greater, if you will. It, it, it's, it's, it's the glory of the Trinity that he longs to be established with and to see him again. And it's interesting, at the end, he mentions at the beginning of the high priestly prayer in John 17, at the end of John 17, consider what he prays. He prays, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. Because you loved me from the foundation of the world. In other words, the heart of Jesus is that believers in him would be with him in glory to see his glory in the greatest way as he is magnified, lifted up high over all. John then writes Revelation where the end and the culmination of eternity is that we're all before the throne, right? We're worshiping before the, the, the Lamb, Worshipping him with the glory that he deserves. And of course the heart of Jesus is that we would all be there. And that only comes through faith, through trusting in him. So I encourage you to read John's gospel. Consider the signs as we have done at Rock Valley Bible Church over the last couple of weeks. Because that, that, that's John's, John's aim is that you might see the glory of Jesus. You might know the glory of Jesus. And see and understand that baby in a manger is far more than just a baby. He was the Son of God come to reflect the glorious God of the universe given to us to, to worship and find life in Him. And really the question is, you, you've heard about the glory of Jesus a little bit today. Maybe you've read about it in the Gospel of John. But are you going to see His greater glory? It's come to those who believe and trust in Him who will see His greater glory. What we're seeing tonight is just a taste, just a touch, just the beginning, just the seed of his life that will grow and ultimately then ultimately be glorified in heaven. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you this Christmas day. Thank you that Jesus perfectly reflects the Father. Glory as of the only Father. God, we, we saw his character full of grace and truth, but his being is far greater than that as he is of one being, one essence with the Father. And so, Lord, I pray that this Christmas season, as, as gifts are opened and, and a, a glorious time is had in many homes um, tonight and tomorrow, I pray that we might long for, even in a greater way, 
the glory that, that awaits us as we see the glory of Jesus, the glory of your Son. Right? As you sit down, he sits at your right hand, and we worship both of you, uh, the, the one true God, the mystery of the Trinity, forever and ever. We thank you and love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
and go in peace. Have a Merry Christmas.